In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, good morning to uh, all the mothers. Happy Mother's Day. It's important that a preacher not forget to say that. I'd like to be back again next week. <laughs> I'm reminded, um, I've been thinking about, um, and maybe you have had in your life someone who was so influential, someone whose voice was constantly sort of in your head that you wound up sort of going through life, seeing the world through them, with them in a way. For me, it was my mom, certainly as a child. My mom had such a powerful impact on me, so much influence over me that, that wherever I was, I was kind of filtering the world through her eyes or through her ears or through her conscience. So if, if um, I was about to do something wrong, or like we might say now, if I was about to make a bad choice about something, I could almost, I could feel myself saying, Ooh, what would mom say about that? Or if I was do, about to do something maybe wrong or take my sister's role off of her plate or something, if I just sort of glanced over at my mom with just the slightest raise of one of her eyebrows, I knew, uh-oh, she knows exactly what I'm thinking. You see, I sort of live my life th through her, through an imagination of what she would say or what she would approve of or disprove of. She had that kind of influence on my life. I saw life kind of with her in mind. You might say through her. I think that's the impact that Jesus had on his disciples. After those years of walking with him and talking with him, of hearing him preach and teach, of seeing him touch and heal, and all those who did touch and heal, all those who he ate with, all those he loved and cared for, how could they not see the world through his eyes, filter the events of life in the ways that he lived his life? No wonder that they would live life receive threats, love others, anticipate death, hope for glory through him. In this section of John's gospel, it's the beginning of what's called the farewell discourse, Jesus saying farewell, Jesus knowing that his time has come. And he begins by saying, hey, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe, keep on believing in God, keep on believing in me. In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you? And when I go and prepare a place for you, I will come. I'll make sure that you know that you're welcome here to this place. I'll come and so that where I am, you may be also. This place where I am, this, this way that I am, this state of relationship that I'm in, there's a place for you here also. And Thomas, Thomas being not a doubter, but Thomas being the pragmatist, Thomas speaking for all of us, kind of says, um, just uh, a point of order, Jesus. It's hard to know how to get there if we don't know where the where is. Thank you, Thomas. Good question. 
No wonder Jesus says to Thomas, Thomas, I am the way, the truth, the life. That is more important than the destination. In fact, that kind of is the destination, the way, the truth, the life, because it's not a point on a map. It's a way of being. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, that, that part is both promising and problematic. I think, if we're honest, at least for me, let me be honest, that verse, no one comes to the Father except through me, is both promising and problematic. I read it at funerals all the time because we love hearing Jesus say, in my Father's house there are many dwelling places. We, we know that, we believe that, we stake our lives on that. But then when I get to that part and I look out in that congregation and I wonder how many of these people really consider themselves Christian? Is it, does it rob them of that promise when I say Jesus's words, no one comes to the Father except through me? Is it as exclusive as it sounds? I worry about that oft-imagined inhabitant of that deserted island that never heard the gospel. Is there no way to come to God for that person? Well, what about our Jewish and Muslim and Hindu brothers and sisters, people who we know to live holy, righteous lives? Is there no way for them to come to the Father? Does this passage say something to them? What does it say to them? Here's where I've come to believe. It says nothing to them because Jesus isn't talking to them. Jesus is talking to his disciples. John is writing to his audience. The Holy Spirit inspired that to talk to us. It says something to us. It says that we live our lives through Jesus. We come to the Father through Jesus. Maybe a better translation would be to say, no one comes to the Father except through me. Maybe it would be better to say that we all come to the Father through the way, the truth, and the life of Jesus. That's closer to what we believe. It's closer to, to what the entirety of John's gospel presents. Believing isn't uh, an intellectual activity. It's a relationship. It's not something we check off on a box. It's an invitation that we accept to be on this ongoing relationship with and through Jesus. It goes back to John's, the first chapter of John's gospel at the end of the prologue. In verse 18, chapter 1, no one has ever seen God it is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. That's a Christian belief. That when we, that, that Jesus is the full revelation of God. I like the way that Rachel Held Evans explains it, puts it, with help from Elton Trueblood. She says, Jesus is what the living, breathing will of God looks like. 
Jesus is what the living, breathing will of God looks like. She goes on to say, as Elton Trueblood put it, the historic Christian doctrine of the divinity of Christ does not simply mean that Jesus is like God. It is far more radical than that. It means that God is like Jesus. It means that God is like Jesus. And what is Jesus like? Well, again, Rachel Held Evans says that Jesus has compassion for the poor, esteem for women, healing for the sick, solidarity with the suffering. Jesus breaks bread with outcasts and embraces little children. It means choosing forgiveness over retribution for Jesus, the cross over revenge, cooking breakfast for the friend who betrayed you. Believing in Jesus isn't an intellectual assent so much as it is a way of living, a truth that we hold on to, a way that does lead to fullness of life. For us, if we are really going to be followers of Jesus, if we're really going to come to the Father, to God, through him, to that place where he is, where he has prepared for us, this place of being in relationship, abiding, dwelling in relationship with God, then we're going to have to live like, like Jesus did. It's not so much about what we believe, but what we do. Or as James put it in his letter, to be doers of the word, not just hearers. It's to live through Jesus Christ, our Lord, to really live through him. Have you noticed that um, when we end our prayers, our colics, we, we end it with that phrase, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through Jesus Christ, your son, our Lord. And, and it, that maybe you've never noticed or wondered or it's just become so, so natural that, of course, we know what that means. It means we're praying through Jesus Christ, our Lord. But what does that really mean to say that? What are we saying to God in that last phrase? Is it just a goodbye? No, it's, it's something really important. Through Jesus Christ our Lord is a way of offering our prayers. We offer all of those prayers, whatever they may be. But at the end of it, at the bottom of it, we say, but do this, do these things through Jesus Christ our Lord. Do these things in the way that Jesus would do them. Answer these prayers. Help us to live our lives in the way that Jesus has lived and has taught us to live. May all of these things be consistent with, filtered through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's like a giant sieve, I've heard someone explain when we say, through Christ our Lord. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Keep on believing in God. Keep on believing in Jesus. He is the way. 
and the truth and the life. We will all be all come to the Father through him, through him, by living our lives like he did, by living our lives, by seeing our lives through him. That means that we'll have compassion for the poor, that we will have esteem for all those who the world says don't deserve esteem. We'll see the world by healing the sick like he did, by having solidarity with the suffering. It means that we'll break bread with outcasts. We'll embrace little children. We'll choose forgiveness over retribution and cross over revenge. We'll even cook breakfast, eventually, when it's safe, with a friend who betrayed us. Let us, let us not just end our prayers through Jesus Christ our Lord, but let us live our lives through Jesus Christ our Lord.